Hello, and welcome to Letters from the Lunchroom, a podcast by Communities and Schools of Mid-America. I'm your host, Victoria Partridge. Communities and Schools is a nationwide nonprofit which connects students and their families to local resources in order to remove barriers so that they will have greater success in school and in life. During this podcast, we talk to people who have a relationship with our organization. From students to staff members and alumni to volunteers, we know that people who connect with nonprofits have a story that led them there, and we want to know that story. In this episode, we sit down with Rhiannon Chamberlain, Program Director for CIS of Mid-America. Please join us as she shares her CIS story. This podcast is a production of Empower Podcasting Company. Empower Podcasting offers accessible podcasting production services for nonprofit organizations and purpose-driven individuals and businesses. Starting a podcast doesn't need to be an uphill battle. Let Empower Podcasting help you make your podcast a reality. Learn more at www.empowerpodcasting.com. All right. Hi, Rhiannon. Welcome to the lunchroom. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, thank you. I appreciate you having me on here. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today. Um, So if you would, please just take a moment and introduce yourself to our audience. I am Rhiannon Chamberlain, and I am the Program Director for Rural Missouri with Communities and Schools of Mid-America. And uh, how long have you been the Program Director? I'm going on my second year. Awesome. But you've been with Communities and Schools for longer than that. Yes. um, I started in 2017 as a student support coordinator at Pittsburgh High School. But you said you're now in rural Missouri. Are you living in rural Missouri? Yes. um, So I live in the um, Joplin Carl Junction area in Missouri. I just traveled to Kansas for four years as a student support coordinator. You always traveled. Wow. I didn't know that. Yes, ma'am. Man, that is some commitment right there. <laughs> okay, so um, before we dig into more about um, the work that you are currently doing with us, let's talk about where it all started and when you first heard about Communities and Schools of Mid-America. Do you remember the very first time you heard about us? I do, and that was by chance. Um, I was working for the state of Missouri and I was um, investigating abuse and neglect for elderly. I wasn't actively looking for work anywhere else, um, even though I was not happy at my current position, only because there's a lot of trauma and things that you endure in a position like that. And um, the posting went on Indeed, and I had a friend that had just reached out to me and said, hey, you know, I saw this job posting, it seems like something really up your alley. And at first I'm like, oh, I appreciate you sending it, but I'm not currently looking to work anywhere. Well, I still went ahead and just looked at the description. And then that led me to going to um, Communities and Schools website and reading it. It just resonated with me so much, just with my core values, my beliefs, um, what it was that I was wanting to do. And I just felt so drawn to the position that I had to apply. And I did, interviewed, and thankfully um, have been with communities in school since then. And the job that you were doing prior to this, that is also a job that's in the social services. Yes. Um, So did you always, like growing up, did you always want to be in social services? Or how did you get connected with that field? 
So I, I knew growing up, I had a very, um, difficult childhood and I endured a lot of, um, just different traumas, poverty, a lot of, um, different things. And I knew that I wanted to help other people that maybe couldn't advocate for themselves. And, um, so originally going to college, I started, you know, kind of thinking psychology, maybe I would be a counselor or something. And then, um, it led to me, I have a degree like law enforcement background when it comes to my degrees, because I thought like, oh, I want to be a parole officer. That's what I want to do. And I did it for a little bit and just was not, um, not entirely happy with it just because I know in the social work field, there's a lot of, how do I explain it? There's just a lot of information that you're given that makes the job hard in itself. And so I I knew that I wanted to be in a helping field, but at what capacity? Mm -hmm. And what makes it so great with communities and schools is you can look like at my resume after graduating college, I would be in a role for about a year and be completely burnt out because mm -hmm. there was just so much to it. And it was just emotionally and mentally would take such a toll on myself, but for communities and schools, not that you don't face similar things that other people at other jobs face, but there's more rewarding aspects of the job itself that pushes you to keep going and to, in the fact that we have our database system, we have data that tells you the great things that we're doing. And that, that makes an entire difference in a whole. Isn't that so interesting that, that, you know, I think it's interesting that you brought up the data because we don't actually talk about the data very often whenever I'm talking to um, coworkers that work in this field, um, at least not in a positive way. But honestly, the fact that we are not only a data-driven organization, but the fact that we are so transparent with externals about the work that we do, I think is really critical. Um, I've been working with communities and schools of mid-America since 2014, so just a few years before you. And one of the things that I've noticed, especially as I, you know, have moved into the communications and marketing role with this organization is how important it is for nonprofits to be transparent about the data and the numbers and the work that they're doing, because I will look out there and now I compare to ev us to everybody else and I'll see a nonprofit that I will be like, what are you doing? What, what are you really doing? Like, I don't under, I'm, I'm confused as to like, what is the, the impact of your work? But with Communities and Schools of America, there's no question about that. You can go on our website and we are pulling that data and you can see how many students are helped and their outcomes and everything. I think it's so cool. So it's nice to meet someone else who also loves it. Yeah, absolutely. And to piggyback off that, I mean, aside from, yes, the great success stories that we get with it, I really think just the people that work for communities and schools in Mid-America, the culture that we have has just really drawn me to the organization. Um, the entire time that I've been employed with communities and schools in Mid-America, I've, I've worked with amazing colleagues. And I, I truly believe that the culture that we have in our organization, it acts as a catalyst to, to mm -hmm. innovate and to try new things, you know, not be afraid of failures. And I, I'm challenged on a daily basis and encouraged 
to find creative ways, you know, to solve problems. And I don't know, I just, I, I really want to just throw out there. I'm just, I'm extremely grateful just to the, to the great leaders that we have and just all of our wonderful coworkers, um, you know, cause everybody just inspires me to just be passionate and to love what I do. Man. Yeah. Okay. So sorry. I'm just getting really blown away by this conversation because I, I have talked to a number of people over the last five years that we've been doing this podcast. And honestly, none of the conversations have brought up some of the key points that you're bringing up. So I'm just like, heck yeah, this is awesome. Let's talk about this. <laughs> so let's talk about the culture of the work that Communities and Schools of Men America has. And the fact that it is, it is a, not only is it a very, um, you know, healthy and supportive work culture, um, especially for people who have worked in other nonprofits before coming here. Um, but you use that magic word of uh, like it's inspiring and it's innovative. And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I think back to um, when COVID hit and we were so quick, like within the matter of days of schools starting to shut down, we were adjusting the supports that we offered to be able to continue to provide students and families with what they needed. That is innovation right there. And, you know, you mentioned being um, inspired by your coworkers. Absolutely. Oh my goodness. I mean, the things that I see not only student support coordinators doing when they're working in the field with students and families one-on-one, -on -one, but even behind the scenes, you know, watching people in our development department and in our programs department, like all of you guys as program directors um, and in our data department, I mean, just it's, it's cool. And I think that's also one of the reasons why we see really low turnover with this organization. And we can say, yeah, we have people that have been here for five years, for nine years, for 15 years, et cetera. Um, it's, it's amazing. Absolutely. Um, so let's let's dig more into the the work that uh, that you do. I want to talk about the work that you do now as a program director, but I also want to talk a little bit about the work that you do as a student support coordinator. So, or that you did as a student support coordinator. Um, so let's just kind of wrap those up together and say, what is the difference between being a student support coordinator and being a program director? So being a student support coordinator, you're working in the schools directly with students. And so that was to kind of just give feedback. When I was presented um, this, this position as a program director, I had to really ask myself because I, I never saw myself not serving individuals directly. That's where I felt like that I was making the biggest impact. And then I had to kind of adjust my mindset a little bit to instead of serving 55 students directly, I have a team of six student support coordinators who all have a caseload of 55 students. And the more tools and resources that I provide my student support coordinators to be successful, the more students that I'm inadvertently touching their lives, but from, you know, from the backside of it. Mm -hmm. um, so, and I love it now. Absolutely love it. I, um, I do miss working in the schools and, you know, seeing that, but still being a part of the stories that my staff tell me and um, seeing that the, the data that gets um, given from communities and schools that still motivates me. Um, but 
I guess so as the program director, I have six staff on my team and for rural Missouri, we are in Boonville, Troy and McDonald County. Mm -hmm. And for side note, I actually grew up in McDonald County. So when we branched out last year, um, it was kind of a liberating, I guess, to, I know firsthand from that community definitely needs the supports and to hear that we were going into it was extremely exciting um, and, and to continue um, to be a part of. But basically with, with my job, I'm just, I wear many different hats. It's yes, <laughs> yes, I am um, leading a team professionally, but for me, I think it's important um, for people to not only grow professionally, but personally as well. And so sometimes, you know, I'm wearing that supervisor hat, sometimes wearing that counselor hat, other times, you know, a case manager hat. So mm-hmm. it, I like that we're not just, expect just the organization as a whole, there's so much flexibility and freedom and the possibilities are just endless because we don't just, okay, this is what you're given and this is how it is. We, we want new ideas and to not just know that's not going to work. We, Mm -hmm. we try to figure out ways to make whatever it is successful. So whether it be a student support coordinator or a program director, you're given that in both roles. So you mentioned that one of the things that um, you did miss about being a student support coordinator was having like that FaceTime with the kids, which is super understandable. Um, So whenever you think back about your time when you were a student support coordinator for all those years, what is one of your favorite supports that you provided to the students and or their families? How to even narrow that down? Uh, (laughs) I mean, because... I wholeheartedly support, love, believe, and care deeply about our organization's mission, you know, which is surrounding students with a community of support and empowering them to stay in school and achieve in life. So because of that, there's so many different supports that were provided throughout those four years. Um, And then depending if it was on an individual support or the whole school support. But I think the biggest thing was being able to advocate for students who necessarily either did not have the skills at that time or the confidence in themselves. So to be able to um, be that, that trusting adult that resonates a lot with me. So I'm trying, I guess, to what I know on a whole school program, because I'm really nerdy. I loved, (laughs) I loved doing um, a mock interview day. And so, and then resume writing day, just to equip the students with the necessary tools that they need to be successful outside of school, but then also providing families and with assistance with you know, groceries and utility bills and just stressors that were preventing them to focus on their education, you know, or their children. So to, I guess, just alleviating barriers in general, um, 
was very just impactful because you can see or like the I guess you can see um the impact that it makes on the families mm-hmm. so and I mean I just I don't know I can't answer because I mean <laughs> there's just so many great things that that I support that had given at the time but then also um that other student support coordinators have done. I don't know. I don't know how to give a direct answer for that because I just. Okay. Well, why don't we, why don't we uh, kind of change the view a little bit to what are some of your favorite memories of working with this organization? Did that make it more difficult? (laughs) Well, hmm. I know getting, I received a lot of um, letters and cards from, you know, students and families that just telling me of um, things that I had did to impact their lives. That was um, very encouraging. So just, and I still have them. Like I'm, I'm going on two years not being in the schools. I will keep those letters from my former students for the rest of my life. Um, so getting that very much so um, is a great memory. The support and the guidance that I have um, given, been given from the organization will always, and I still get, that's something that I, I immediately think of. Um, I remember having students that were homeless and they were couch surfing and to be able to link them up with the appropriate community resources to be successful and to to be in a home that they felt safe and they didn't have to worry about where they're going to lay their head that night um those stories definitely um stand out to me as well and just the relationships that i've built with students, with parents, with school staff, with staff from communities and schools of Mid-America, to community partners, just the relationships that I've built over the years is something that will always stay with me and I will always be grateful for. That's really the center of it all, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. I mean, without... Well, I won't say that. I will say the impact that the relationships have in our lives is so massive um, that it it truly changes everything. And I, I think that that's a really wonderful part of the work that we do, knowing that it just takes one person to come into that student's life and to sit down and be a trusting, non-judgmental human who genuinely cares and starts forming that relationship to help remove any barriers standing in their way and to work with their families to do whatever it takes to really make sure that those kids are successful while they're trying to get their education and then they go on and be successful in life. Like it's just, it just starts with positive, caring, authentic, non-judgmental relationships. And I just love that that's what we focus on. I I couldn't say it better myself. (laughs) Excellent. Okay, well then let's take a quick break and we'll be right back with a second serving of Letters from the Lunchroom. Stay tuned. 
Welcome back. As part of our show, we ask each guest to write a letter to the students that Communities and Schools serves. The only guideline they are given is that it must come from the heart. So Rhiannon, please share your letter. Dear students, if there is only one thing you take away from this letter, it is for you to know and fully understand how important your life matters. You matter. Your thoughts matter. Your ideas matter. Your dreams matter. Your voice matters. Your life has a purpose and you will get there. You are destined for greatness and it will happen. You can accomplish anything you set your mind to because you set the tone for your own achievements. If you think you can do it and you're willing to work for it, you will be able to achieve it. Your possibilities are endless. As you embark on this journey of self-discovery to find your path to destiny, you are going to make mistakes, have hard days, and endure difficult times. In those moments, I hope you find the courage to always embrace the storms in your life, the passion to feel alive in all that you pursue, and the serenity to understand your journey and the truth of who you are. As you continue to gain more experience and knowledge, you will realize that it takes sadness to understand happiness, failures to comprehend victory, and chaos to know peace. So embrace your triumphs and tragedies instead of letting your mistakes and past define you. You are in control of your thoughts, feelings, and choices. You have the ability inside of you to rise above any obstacle or challenge placed before you. You have the strength to be victorious in any situation. You have the power to create change. This all starts with believing in yourself. As Kelly McGillis said, life is a journey and it's about growing and changing and coming to terms with who and what you are and loving who and what you are. This is your life and your story. It's now up to you on how you make use of your specific gifts, talents, and qualities that you have been equipped with for life. Sorry, I'm just having to breathe after that because, oh, wow. Okay, so I need you to email me that letter because I feel like we need to share that on our socials. Um, I feel like everybody needs to hear those words. Um I mean, I felt like you personally were talking to my heart and like my soul. <laughs> um, that was probably the most inspiring letter I've ever heard on this on this pop on this podcast. Um, well, I really appreciate that. That I I struggled, and I I have spent many many hours into this letter because I was like, how do I capture? There's so many things that I think our students need to hear and want to hear and how to capture it on one page. Um, so I, I have um, a 13 year old daughter and I have custody of my 15 year old niece. And so I made sure um, to kind of just ask them from their standpoint, what is something that you would want to hear from somebody that maybe you've not met personally? And words of encouragement. And so I'm like, okay. And then after writing the letter, I read it to them um, just to ask for their feedback. Because what better feedback than from students themselves? Uh -huh. And they were just, they were like, yes, that 
that is what we would want to hear. And I'm like, okay, you're sure you're not going to have me go on this podcast to make a fool of myself, right? And they're <laughs> like, no, I promise. I'm like, okay. No, that was amazing. I truly like it left me speechless. Um, and it, it brought tears to my eyes too. Like I'm like blinking. I'm like, don't cry. Um, it just, it, it was, oh gosh, it just so meaningful. Um, and I, I truly do believe that everybody needs to hear those words, um, regardless of if they're students, that students, faculty, I mean, my goodness, just everybody. Oh gosh, I can't even, <laughs> you really, you really just made my mind go plunk. <laughs> um, wow. Um, I know that at the very, very beginning of the letter, you said like, if you take away nothing else just know that you matter and I know like those two simple words are so critical for anybody but especially our kids who are young people and often dealing with challenges that could make them question whether or not they do and that's so heartbreaking so it's really really lovely to have that reiterated that they do they do matter and they are cared for and they are loved and they are valued and they're listened to. They are heard. Yes. Oh my gosh. Okay. Um, well, generally I like to debrief a little bit, but honestly I have to take a break because that really blew my mind. <laughs> um, but before we do that, is there anything else that you want to share with us um, in general about the work you have done, the work that you hope to do, etc. I think just in my current role, I'm just, I'm extremely um, proud of my team's overall success. And it's, it's just been quite the honor to be part of such a talented and fun and motivated team that that is dedicated to making an impact in students' lives in every way imaginable. And it just, it just gives me great pride um, to be the leader of this team. And um, I just, I really look forward to, because I don't see myself, I definitely see myself retiring um, with our organization because I stand behind every individual that, that works for us. And I know that everybody's heart is in the right place. And we all have the same common denominator. We want to ensure that students and families succeed. So when you have an, an entire group of people who fully support the same mission and have the same purpose, we are destined. I mean, we're doing great things, but I can only imagine how much more stuff and the impact we're going to make for the years to come. And I'm excited and looking forward to continuing to do the great work that we're doing. Mm -hmm. Me too. <laughs> Me too. Everything that you just said, just ditto. Dang. Uh, you should have your own podcast, by the way. You're, doing <laughs> you're amazing. And you're just so inspiration. You're such an inspiration to listen to as you talk about, uh, you know, the work that we do and how we work together and everything. And uh, I, I, I really hope that the rest of the staff listens to this because it's, it's been really just like I said, it's been very inspiring, which I truly appreciate. Um, 
not that I, uh, you know, am at any lack of inspiration of the people that I work with, but it's always nice to have an additional spark of inspiration come in from a place that you weren't expecting, you know, at a time you weren't mm-hmm. expecting. So thank you, Rhiannon. You're very welcome. <laughs> okay. Let's take just another quick break so I can continue to compose myself and then we'll be right back and we'll do some extra credit questions. All right, we are back. Are you ready for a couple of extra credit questions? I am. Throw them at me. Okay, your first one. Hopefully, it's very easy. Um, what is one of your favorite songs? Man, you would ask that <laughs> to narrow down. Um, let's see. Hang on. I'm actually. Yeah, you're gonna have to put this one out. Uh, because I can't remember who it's by. Let me look really quick. Are you looking it up on like your playlist? Yes. Should I do a sad one? It doesn't matter. Any of them. I because the the first song that came to my mind when you asked. Um, That's the one you should do. So I lost my father in 2012, and my dad was my unsung hero. He was so amazing, and I strive every day to be even half the human that he was. And when I, we were trying to select songs to play at the funeral, one song and it just, and I'm not a a real emotional person and this had brought me to tears and it just, I just resonate with it, but it's um, Jealous of the Angels by Jen Bostick. Okay. And it's just, it's it's a beautiful song for anyone um, that has ever lost someone close to them. Can you tell me a little bit about what it's about? Um, just basically like the title, it says how you're, you're jealous of the angels because they're the ones that are getting to spend time, you know, with your lost loved ones. And just that, you know, it's difficult you know, saying goodbye to somebody and that you're just, you're looking forward to the day that, you know, you get to see them again. Um, and that, I guess just there, you, you'll always hold on to the love that they gave you and that you understand that you know, everything, everything happens for a reason. Yeah. I don't like, that's the gist of it. But I mean, if you want like a song that's like not so depressing and the reason behind (laughs) it, I can definitely, but that just was the first song that literally popped into my mind. No, I think it's a good one to have on there. I think it's that you should always go with your gut instinct, um, especially for extra credit questions. So you ready for your second one? Yes. Okay. If you could pick a superpower to have what would you choose and why Hmm. these are some good questions thank you 
I would say, hmm, yeah, this is really good. I think it's really interesting because there's always two types of people. There's the people, and there's like, it's like 5% of people, they know exactly what to say immediately on this question. And then 95% are like, I have no idea. Oh my gosh, this is the hardest question I've ever been asked. <laughs> okay, so I would go with, because my the way my mind operates, I'm like, well, would I want that kind of power? How would sure. that affect me in the long term? Okay, so I, everyone, I get referred to, I am the passenger princess. I do not like traveling. I don't like, especially being behind the wheel. I don't enjoy it at all. It's my least favorite thing. So if I could have teleportation, Mm -hmm. that would be phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal to just get to the destination immediately and not have to go. That would be awesome. I would love it. I thought at first you were going to go like into like a scenario where like you were a superhero and your superhero name was Passenger Princess. <laughs> I was just like, where is this going? This is hilarious. Um, I ditto you on the transportation. That's always the one that I would do as well. Um, I love to travel. I love to be the driver. I always prefer to be the driver. So you and I would be a very good team if we ever have to do a road trip together because I would prefer to be the one behind the wheel. Um, but man... Like I get so impatient. That's not a strong suit for me. I am not a person who comes with a load of patience. So <laughs> for me, uh, not only do I need to teleport, but I need to be able to teleport with the understanding that it's going to be very quick. Right. You know, I can't take 13 <laughs> hours to teleport <laughs> if that's like the amount of time it would take to drive or fly. So no, I need to, you know, 2.5 <laughs> seconds kind of thing. Anyway. Okay. Your final question is, what is the number one reason why you feel that people should get involved with our organization? Only one? Because I could give you an entire list. <laughs> I guess like, at what capacity? Are we talking career-wise or? Any, any, anything. Like I said, the best thing with extra credit questions is to go from your gut one reason because we truly are making a difference and I think if somebody wants to impact a child's life but isn't sure how or at what capacity there's so many different ways with our organization to do that whether you do want to be employed with communities and schools of mid-america and provide those supports directly or if you want to be a volunteer for the organization, because we have all of our school districts that we are in, our student support coordinators definitely need volunteers to come in and read to students, be a lunch buddy, a a mentor. That would be a great way if you're just wanting to do a donation of whether it be money or clothing or a pair of shoes, you can help at that capacity. So if, if you're wanting, yeah, I guess that's how I'd summarize it. If you're just wanting to make a difference and an impact in a student and a family's life, and you're not sure how, this is the organization to do it because everything directly goes back to that student some way or another, whether it be directly or indirectly, we are an organization that ensures that however you're wanting to help, that it, it, it does exactly what they're asking for. Mm-hmm. 
and we have the data to show it, to prove it, that it's making a difference. Absolutely. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much, Rhiannon, for taking the time to talk with me today, to make me uh, almost cry, to definitely <laughs> make me laugh, and honestly, just to inspire me beyond belief. I really, really, really appreciate it. You're very welcome. I really appreciate the time, and I hope that maybe one thing that I said or something in my letter that just resonates with somebody because that's, yeah, I, I, I didn't go into this field to change everybody's lives, but if I can just impact just one person, then I consider it a success. Oh my gosh. <laughs> You're awesome. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you all so much for joining us on this episode of Letters from the Lunchroom. For more information on communities and schools of Mid-America, please check out our website at cismidamerica.org. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast, leave us a rating, and follow us on social media at CIS Mid-America. I'm your host, Victoria Partridge, and until next time, class is dismissed. <laughs>